Howdy, 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 ho. Hello, my good friends. Welcome back into Here We Go, episode 17, Josh Rosenberg, along with you for the ride today. Happy to set the scene for you as always. Ice pack on my lower back, heating pad on my shoulders, hot cup of coffee in my hand, snoring dog below me. It's a beautiful Sunday in Larkspur, California. The winds coming off the bay today seem extra breezy. And there's your weather report for May the 20th, 2018. All right, let me just ask you something. Do any of you remember the days where the phone would ring, a landline would ring, and you would answer it and say, hello, and you didn't know who was calling? It was a total fucking surprise every time. Do you remember these days? This is the not-so-distant past. The phone rings, one, two, three, maybe four rings. Somebody in the family grabs it and says, hello. Could be anybody. Total gamble. Now, we didn't think about this in the past, but it was a bit of a risk. Anytime the phone rang, there was a solid chance it was somebody you weren't in the mood to talk to. Now, I don't mean it's somebody you don't want to talk to, but what if you just weren't in the mood to talk to that person? Now, I know a lot of people would say, then just let it go to voicemail, let it go to the message machine. But still, some families had principles in place where you still answer the phone. Because if you did let it go to the message machine, if you let it go to the voicemail and the person was like, Josh, Josh, pick up, pick up, Josh. And it was somebody you wanted to speak with. Then you pick up and you go, oh, hey, 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 what's up? What's up? And then that's the clear giveaway that I was waiting to hear who it was. Those are the earliest signs of screening a call. When you pick it up right when somebody is speaking into your voicemail, pick up, pick up. Little things like that don't happen anymore. You call a house and you just start screaming on their message machine, pick up pick up and you just start screaming their name there was a chance someone would pick up and go what what do you want what do you want but most of the time you picked up that phone eagerly too it's a different mindset we have evolved we're now with these cell phones we get a call most of us not interested in speaking most of the time we even have this nowadays where you get a text from somebody that says what's a good time to call you Instead of just calling, so this person clearly wants to speak to you, but instead of calling your phone number to have a conversation on the old telephone, they text you, what's a good time to speak? And then it's up to you to actually think of a time where you want to speak. We need so much preparation now just to get into a conversation, which I think is a good thing. It probably eliminates a lot of fights between people and arguments to know that your mood has to be right to speak to certain people. Got to prepare your mind to speak with certain people. Whether it's someone in your family, a spouse, a friend, it's always good to know what you're getting into. That's why the days of just saying hello and rolling the dice, those are over and nobody misses those days. And I'm weird on the phone. I'm very weird. I have to be totally alone. I have to be sometimes even outdoors alone, out of earshot from any other human. Not like I'm saying things that are that risky, but still, I'm not the type of person that could just be at a party and pick up the phone and have a conversation with somebody. I couldn't even be on the couch next to my wife and comfortably have a conversation with somebody else. I'm the type of guy that has to step outside. Not because I'm trying to hide anything. I'm not hiding anything. When my voice gets high, it sounds suspicious. I'm not hiding anything. I just got to be alone. So this has probably increased the percentage of quality conversations I've had with people. Go back to the 80s, early 90s. 
when you would just get involved with a conversation, not really knowing who you were about to speak to, but maybe you get roped into a long talk. If you were in a bad mood, you're still in that talk. I'll never answer the phone if I'm in a bad mood. Why? Why? And what is socially appropriate for returning a call nowadays? You get a call and says, hey, call me back. What do you have? Two hours? Two days? Do you have two weeks? If you have a month, the friendship is over. You can't wait a month and then say, I've been busy. You got to love that one. We all say, I've been busy. Yeah, I've been busy. It's been a month. I couldn't find five minutes to call you. That's how you know you've been devalued in the old Rolodex. What about a text? How long do you have to return a text? You know, the old, what are you up to tonight? If you know for a fact you don't want to hang out with that person that night, you got to come up with something. Something like, tonight won't work. But if you, boom, shoot that too quick, they know they've got you. So maybe some people wait it out. You got to wait it out on the old text. Although I am the quickest responder in the history of text messages, almost eerily. I bet I have freaked people out with the speed that I text back. I don't know why. As people are texting me, they might even see my bubbles. You know what I mean? When you're texting somebody and you could see that they're typing their text response, my bubbles are always flowing. You text me, my bubbles are already going. If that makes no sense, maybe you don't have an iPhone. I've never had anything but an iPhone, but you know what I mean, the text bubbles. To let it be known that I'm texting back immediately. I love texting. I love it. I frowned upon it like it was such an impersonal form of communication at first. My first cell phone, I was like, wow, can you believe this? Text messaging? Huh, how cold. Now I'm all about it. All about texting. All right, because this is episode 17, I'm about to go down a sad path. So brace yourself, okay? Grab some tissue. Sit down for this. If you're standing up listening to this podcast, find a seat. Maybe a beanbag chair. Or you can kneel if you just want to kneel. Not a lot of people kneeling nowadays for any reason, but I think you should kneel. Because what I'm about to get into... By the way, kneel, not a good guy's name. Okay, but uh, yeah, this is sad. In all honesty, I saw episode 17, and because I associate numbers with people, when I see 17, I know what you're thinking right now. You're saying, oh God, another Chris Mullen story? No, 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 no. I know Chris Mullen wore 17, but when I see 1717, every single time I see that number or I hear that number, aside from the immediate Chris Mullen thought, I think of Richie Valens. Richie Valenzuela and his flying guitar. He was 17 years old when he died. And to this day, he's one of my favorites. I mean, the three or four Richie Valens songs that I know, I love. But 17, you almost forget how young that is to be so prolific and well-known and remembered as a legend. But that was the day the music died. 1959 with Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper, Richie Valens was in that incredibly tragic and sad plane crash. And I've thought about this and known about this since 1987. Why? I was six years old. Why would I know about this as a six-year-old? Sounds a little morbid, right, for a six-year-old to have such a deep understanding of Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and the Big Bopper going down in that plane crash in 1959. But this is back in the days of VHS rentals. And it was family movie night in 1987. And they allowed six-year-old Josh Rosenberg to watch La Bamba starring Lou Diamond Phillips, which to this day, and I'm not making this up, I hope I'm not contradicting something I've said on a previous podcast, but La Bamba is absolutely my favorite movie of all time. I've never even looked 
at the Rotten Tomatoes score. Never looked at a Siskel and Ebert review. So I don't know if it was viewed as a great movie at the time, if it was critically acclaimed. But I also don't really care. Because La Bamba hits me in the heart every time. There's something very weird about the movie. Not only did it make me cry, and I mean sob, in 1987 when I was six years old, but every single time I've watched that movie since, I will cry. And here's the weird part. No other movie has really ever made me cry. I mean, I've gotten misty-eyed a few times. You know, I've clenched the old jaw. I've sweat through my back. Is that a form of crying when you sweat through your back? I don't know. But if I was to just watch La Bamba tonight, it would be true streaming tears down my cheek. It's just the way the movie is shot. The culmination of how it all ends. And then when the credits are going, they go back to Richie Valens. Or I should say Lou Diamond Phillips as Richie Valens playing the guitar to the song La Bamba, which was turned into a rock and roll song. If you haven't seen the movie, you're doing yourself a disservice. If you have seen the movie and you don't agree with me, then we're not friends anymore. But if you've seen the movie and you agree, then you are a part of my cult. That's right. I have started a cult this morning called La Bamba. Powerful movie, though. In all honesty, Isai Morales playing Bob, his brother. Those scenes, I can remember those scenes from a six-year-old watching him before he's about to beat Rosie or perhaps even rape Rosie. I'm not even sure I understood the concept back then, but they had friends over. Rosie wanted to go to bed. She was probably pregnant in this scene. Remember, they're smoking weed. Bob's having a good time. They're drinking tequila. And then Rosie, oh, of course she's pregnant. That's the scene. She says, Bob, I'm pregnant. He pours another shot of tequila. He sniffs it. He smells tequila. As a six-year-old, I was wondering, what does that smell like? He smells the tequila. He says, not my first. Takes the sip and then says, or my last. Wow. So believe it or not, I took that line and carried it on. Not with tequila when you're in elementary school and middle school and even high school, you're drinking other things. But to say it's not my first, take the sip and then say, or my last, it seemed powerful. It seemed like a profound thing to say. Now, of course, as I grew up, I realized that guy's awful, total asshole. You don't want to be like Bob from La Bamba. But he was the guy getting the girls, riding the motorcycle, saying the funny lines. Plus, he was an artist. So there were aspects of the way Isai Morales played Bob from La Bamba that made him kind of an appealing character. But of course, now that I watch it as an adult, and yes, I still watch it, even subjected my wife to it. I said, you got to watch La Bamba. If you're going to be married to me, we're going to cry together in this house. But then you really just start to hate Bob and realize that he's troubled. And that the mom definitely picked favorites. And in that final scene where she hears the news that her son died in the plane crash, she screams, not my Richie, not my Richie, right as she's hanging her clothes to dry in the sun. And then Bob, who already heard it on the radio, he comes to console his mother. And that is the greatest acting of all time. I'm sorry, there's no other scene like that. And then, of course, Bob is going to run to the dead end with a montage of all of the memories with him and his brother and screams, Richie! And when he screams Richie, the type of crying I will do is when the tears start shooting out of your eye. They're not even streaming down your cheek. They're just shooting out of your eye like a cartoon cat. All right, so this is episode 17 of Here We Go, and that's what that number means to me. Coming up next, Terry Gross with Fresh Air, right here on KQED. Public promotion for KQED, paid for by the Geraldine Ferrara Foundation, or something like that. You realize Tupac would have been 47 if he was still alive today? Chris Farley would have been 54 if he was still alive today? Josh Rosenberg in 1995 
loved those two men, Tupac and Farley. 1995, I didn't need anybody else. I didn't need a family. I was a renegade. I didn't need friends. I just needed Tupac's albums and Chris Farley's skits and movies. Those two celebrity deaths, those hit me. You gotta wonder what they would be doing today. Let's say Tupac was still alive, 47 years old. He's not rapping still, is he? Rap is a young man's game. Tupac died when he was 25. Now, because I was so young, he seemed like an adult, but 25, you're very young. And I tried to get through that biopic movie, All Eyes on Me. Couldn't. I felt like it was the Hollywood attempt to, let's try it again. It works so well with Straight Outta Compton. Let's just try it again. The recipe of we take a rapper and then we hire actors to depict some of the exciting tales. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. A biopic when it comes to music, yeah, half and half. Like La Bamba, it worked with Lou Diamond Phillips. The Doors, it worked with Val Kilmer. All Eyes on Me, even though the guy looked like Tupac, didn't really work. But what would Tupac be doing? He'd probably be a professor at Cal teaching about hip-hop history. Tupac was a bright light. He'd probably be doing guest lecturing at Tam High, where he went. All of us Marin kids love that fun fact. All of us Marin suburban kids who memorized every lyric to every Tupac song, we loved acting like we were connected because he went to Tam. I didn't go to Tam. But still, the idea that my mom taught at Tam, and we knew people at Tam, and we drive by Tam all the time, and Tupac went there. Oh, Tupac was ours. We claimed Tupac. I've also realized that my nostalgia is so strong that I can't accept current artists. Like every rapper I hear pales in comparison to what Tupac sounded like in my ears. Migos? Have you heard Migos? It is hot dog shit. But teenagers love it. You know, Kendrick Lamar, Drake, all of the most popular rappers today. Childish Gambino, terrible, 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 terrible. But you put on a Tupac song from 1993, it just sounds like magic. So my view of the musical world, the hip-hop world, it's probably skewed. Meaning, if I was a teen today, Tupac would probably sound like the Beatles to my ears. Maybe, I don't know. And Migos might sound good. What a sad thought that is. Tupac would sound like Elvis. Like, eh, it's not my era. I can't do it. But give me some more of that Nicki Minaj action. God, she's bad. Even with sports. I mean, when I was such a big Michael Jordan fan, had the shoes, had the posters, you know, lived Michael Jordan's era, loved Michael Jordan's era. It had such a strong, profound impression on me that any player that came after him, I was never able to say, yeah, he's as good as Jordan. Yeah, he's better than Jordan. I'll never say that, even though there are some players, maybe even right now. Who knows? Maybe Durant, maybe LeBron James. Maybe they are better than Jordan. Maybe they could play with Jordan. Maybe they could shut Jordan down, but I will never admit it. I can't even see it clearly. I have a skewed view of what's new because I love memories. That's kind of what this podcast is all about. Me just going down memory lane, explaining how much better things used to be. I am that old man on his porch swing telling you about the good old days. And I'm only 36 when I'm actually an old man on my porch swing. Holy shit, am I going to be annoying? But hopefully you'll still be listening. Yeah, there's the point. I finally found the point. If I was a fan of yours during my developmental years, my impressionable developmental years, and I thought you were the best basketball player I've ever seen, then I will never be able to see it any other way. So because I grew up when Michael Jordan was the greatest, he's still the greatest, always will be. Even when I'm 
50, 60, 70, 80 years old, Jordan will still be the greatest. Tupac, the great Tupac years. There's been a lot of quality rap since Tupac, but I'll never admit that. I'll never even truly hear it. But if you want to debate me and tell me that Kanye is in the Tupac category, I'll listen. I won't agree. I'll just listen. Chris Farley, the greatest cast member of all time. Even though, you know, there's some new cast members nowadays that are pretty good. Nobody's Farley. Not even close. All right. I always tell you what I'm watching on TV. Let me tell you right now what I'm not watching. I'm not watching the second season of Westworld. I did watch the first season of Westworld, which I liked. I thought it was entertaining. For somebody that doesn't get really into sci-fi, I still liked it. Anthony Hopkins, undeniable superstar of the acting world. He was great. The plot line was gripping. The acting was good. The idea was cool. However, I believe I have such a low TV IQ that I couldn't really stay with it. Like every scene, I only kind of understood what was going on. So I would pause it and look to my wife and say, wait, what's happening? And she's like a savant of the genre, sci-fi. She understands. She'll tell me, well, Bernard is a robot too. And what he's doing right now is programming them to rebel. And I go, oh, okay. I didn't realize Bernard was a robot. I say, who's the man in the black hat? She says, don't you remember two episodes ago? Like she has compartmentalized the episodes. I forget everything from previous episodes and just move forward like a dog at the door. And that's why it became aggravating. Even though it was a good show, it became aggravating to watch Westworld. So now my wife, she watches Westworld on her own, in her own time. It's probably riveting. And if she shares what the episode was about, I pretend that I'm interested. And I go, wow, that sounds amazing. But I know for a fact I could not understand it anymore. I exhausted all of my brain energy on season one. But why am I bringing it up? Because this brings up the idea of artificial intelligence, and this is fascinating. So for this, I'm actually going to bring Shani into the podcast dojo. So hold on. I told her I might bring her in. She said, I don't really know. She gets nervous. She seems to think that there's millions of listeners evaluating her and judging her and saying she needs to be an expert if she's going to come on this damn podcast. But I think I've proven you don't. You don't need to be an expert on any of these topics. So as I attempt to discuss artificial intelligence for a moment, you hang tight. I'm going to get Shani. Should I close this? All right, we got to lean in. Lean in. Okay, now you're sitting in the chair right across from me, and now you're here, but you have no idea what I just talked about. So I was basically introing the fact that I did watch Westworld last season. I'm not watching it this season. You are watching season two. Yeah. Okay, why do you think I'm not watching it anymore? Uh, I think it was too complicated. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> so I need my TV to be easily comprehensible. Um, well, or you're just not motivated enough to Google every episode like I do. No, it's true. I don't like a thinker. I think it would be called sci-fi, but would you also classify it as a thinker? Yes. Yeah, like you can't just watch it like you're watching Perfect Strangers with Balky and Cousin Larry. You really have to think, wait, who is real? Who are the people? So do you want to hear just real quick how Wikipedia gives you the premise of this show? Yeah, sure. All right. Um... Westworld is a theme park allowing guests to experience the American Old West in an environment populated by hosts. So these are robots programmed to fulfill the guests' every desire. Mm -hmm. These hosts follow a predefined set of intertwining narratives, but they have the ability to deviate from the narratives based on interactions they have with guests. So far, I can get it. 
So mm-hmm. let's say this existed. You and I had the ability. We're choosing our summer vacation. We're like, do you want to do Westworld? Should we enter <laughs> this portal where we're allowed to, you know, shoot guns and have sex with a bunch of people in these whorehouses? And you'd say perhaps, but we have a kid now, so we'd have to get a babysitter. Okay, so now you get it. At least I could understand it that far. Yeah, 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 yeah. However, where it becomes complicated is when you start wondering, have the robots developed enough emotional intelligence where they can start making decisions on their own? Yes, that's, that's one thing that's going on, yeah. Okay, so because that's going on, I want you to explain it. How will we ever know, as the viewer sitting on the couch watching this show, how will we ever know who's a robot and who's a human? You don't until it's revealed to you. So you kind of have to question, you have to question a lot of different characters until something happens to show you whether or not they're human, which basically means they die. <laughs> I mean, that's really the only way. Or a robot and... and you know, they can show that by taking apart their head and then you see the, the parts. So Westworld is fiction. It's all fiction, correct? Of course. Why of course? How do we know <laughs> this is where I'm going? Does artificial intelligence exist right now on planet Earth? Yeah. Oh, it does. Yeah. Tell me more. Well, a computer is artificial intelligence. Okay. And they're getting more and more advanced. So when we say Alexa. There's a, there's a computer. Um, I think it, she's called Sophie. Okay, tell me and more. And she's been in the news lately because she's the most... The giraffe? Um, no. No, I'm just Is kidding. her name Sophie? She's the most emotionally intelligent, I think it was, um, AI right now. And they were able to go into the lab and view her for the first time. How did she develop emotion? Well, from the programmer. Right now, AI is, ba- is based on the programmer. So if the programmer knows how to program emo- emotion into her, then... The emotion is then programmed. So this is why Westworld, it's, it's so popular, I think, for people that don't even think about this on a larger level. But you pointed out that Stephen Hawking, the world-renowned astrophysicist who passed away a couple of months ago, he said AI could end mankind. Mm-hmm. If I just gave you the headline, Hawking says AI can end mankind, do you kind of understand what he's saying? Like if it surpassed yes, because, our ability. Because it comes up in movies. I think there was a movie called AI with Will Smith, right? Well, I Years saw ago. AI in the theater with like Haley Joe Osment as a kid. Same movie, maybe? Uh, was Will Smith in him? In nah, it? I don't think so. Oh, I think it was called AI. Okay. But this concept's been around where uh, robots, we create the robots, and then they go off on, they become smart enough to go off on their own and do things that the humans did not program them to do. And basically, they take over and defeat us. Same thing happened on um, Black Mirror this last season. Ooh. So the human condition is flawed, correct? You and I have flaws. Mm. Would we ever, we both are. physical and emotional, of course, we're filled with flaws. <laughs> Mine come out on this podcast all the time. But would artificial intelligence create something that looked like you, looked like me, but be free of disease, be free of flaws? Like, is that the idea to program uh, these beings that don't die, right? You could program them not to die. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing. Um, and they develop emotions and memories of past experiences. And then at some point, they surpass the humans that will die off. And then that's what this earth becomes. Just these bots, these androids. Oh, because they're they're immortal? I'm mean? trying to wonder why Stephen Hawking said this could be the end of mankind. Well, Because he's a smart dude. I think his fear is that they're going to become too smart and be able to overpower humans. How so? How could they overpower us? Well, like physically, just pin me. Like if I wrestled a bot. Physically, intellectually, I mean, couldn't they wage war against humans and take over? 
But this was all our idea, right? When we talk about right, Sophie right. and I Alexa think... and Siri, we all created this, right? Tech, yes, yes. And yeah. now it's going to get too smart emotionally, physically, uh-huh. and then bury us. Yes, this like is they nuts. maybe they'd be too smart. So maybe there's a there's a um, off button for a robot in case they get too out of control, right? Because mm-hmm. th- maybe someone creates a robot that can learn um, based on it the experiences it has, like a human. That's what and Westworld's about, kind of. The off button. Yes. So if they can learn based on the experience they're having, then they can then get smarter and smarter on their own without human intervention. And maybe they get to the point where they know how to um, reprogram themselves and in a way that humans can't intervene. And then they can just take over. There's a really good Black <laughs> Mirror this season. Have I seen it? Uh, no, you haven't. You're like, I think you would know. <laughs> that, uh, that, that covers a lot of this. It's obviously... Very sci-fi. How do you know I'm not a bot? How do you know for certainty? You're probably 99% sure, but that 1%, don't you think there's a chance I'm an android? Because when, when you were sleeping, I cut your head open and looked for um, metal. Was there metal? No, there wasn't any metal. There was software. There was no software. But if there was, would you be freaked out? <laughs> Maybe. Did you really cut me? Yikes. All right, thanks. You're off the hot seat. I know that you were reluctant to come in, but you added more insight into this topic than I think you even know. Oh, good. All right, big round of applause for Shanee. She's got a no-nonsense approach that I can appreciate. All right, Pinball's going to go on another tangent to wrap this up. I've discovered my new favorite comedian. Every week it's a new name, but Theo Vaughn, I've talked about him. He does have a special on Netflix right now. It's been on there for a few months. However, you might know him from Road Rules if you were a fan of terrible reality TV shows back in the day on MTV. And I can't even end that with when MTV played music, because I'm not even talking about music on MTV. But I did watch Real World, and I think I recognized Theo Vaughn from Road Rules. I think I watched a few episodes of Road Rules one year. But the real world, when it first started, that was fascinating. In New York, and then in San Francisco, and then I kept watching. I'm embarrassed to admit, I think I've probably watched at least 10 seasons every episode of Real World and then stayed around for the cast reunion where they're all on a panel fighting still. And they call it real world. Of course, that's not real. None of it is. Whenever there's cameras in your home recording your interaction, none of it is real. But it was watchable. It was back in a time where reality TV was not on every channel. So the fact that MTV was going to put cameras in a home and watch people fight and hook up, it was great. I don't actually remember it jumping the shark. I don't remember ever watching a cast and saying, this isn't working. That's how much it kept working. But if you're going to try to transition from that, where everybody knows you for that, into the world of stand-up comedy, which is, in my opinion, the most genuine form of entertainment because the results are in front of you. You can't fake it. Either the audience is laughing or they're not. You don't really need a review. You don't need Rotten Tomatoes. You don't need Yelp. You don't need any sort of evaluation app. The evaluation is, is the crowd laughing? Then it's funny. That's why comedy comes in so many different forms. So many different cultures can be funny. So many different races and nationalities and ethnicities can be funny. Is the room laughing? Then it's funny. Well, Theo Vaughn transitioned. And he's a comic. He's good. But I read his Wikipedia. It said it took him about 10 years to be taken seriously. And it's so damn true. If every time you watch somebody pursue a new endeavor or a new career and you can't shake it, in your mind that they used to be known for something else, then it's tough to embrace them. I didn't give Theo Vaughn even the name a chance. I knew he was a comic, but I would never say, I want to watch Theo Vaughn do stand-up. 
God, was I wrong. This guy is fucking hilarious. I would pay a lot of money to see him. And when I say a lot of money, I'm talking about $33. That's my max when it comes to stand-up. Maybe 35 But really, stand-up, it's ridiculous. The fact that there's $100 tickets to see some of the big names now. I know there's a comedy boom, but comedy's never worth 100 bucks. So I thought to myself, who are some other people from one world that have tried to transition to another world of entertainment? And it was just tough. Like when Dennis Miller, comedian, was in the Monday Night Football booth, it was tough to think, hey, Dennis knows football. He might have. I know he was there to provide comic relief, but nobody really gave him a chance, right? Nobody really cared about his NFL analysis, and of course it didn't work. Sometimes it works. My point is not that it'll never work. Theo Vaughn works. You just got to forget that he was on you know, a shitty reality TV show like Road Rules. And when I say shitty, I shouldn't say that. It was probably fine for teens at the time, but he doesn't want to be associated with that anymore because he's reinvented himself as what he truly is. He's actually a comic. Anybody who does reality TV and they say, this is my vehicle to get famous in another area like TV movies or radio or something. Clearly, you would say, well, then you're fake. You're a fraud. You only wanted to be on a reality TV show because you thought it would help you become a movie star. You know, we tend to not accept those, but accept Theo. That's my point. Accept Theo. Trust me. Very juvenile, but very smart. Like I said, even if he comes off as a southern bumpkin, he's smart. Comedy has to be smart. I don't think there have been very many successful dumb comics. I think a lot of these guys, no matter what character they're playing, they're bright. They're bright lights. All right, who else? Who else has done it? The Rock. He was in WWE. Now he's a movie star. It works for him. Shaq. When Shaq was a great center, all-star center in the NBA, he became a rapper. Yeah, that didn't work. And an actor. That didn't work. And it was tough to see Shaq in movies because you said, huh, not sure he should be in movies. He's a basketball player. What does he know about acting? How about Ronald Reagan becoming the president of the United States or Jesse the Body Ventura becoming the governor of Minnesota or Al Franken? Even our current president, no background in politics, background in business. And on the show, The Apprentice, and now he's our president. So I think regardless of your politics, it may have been difficult to actually embrace Donald Trump. I'm saying regardless of how you feel about any of his policies and any of his personality and any of his comments and any of his decisions, just the fact that Trump is the president, it's kind of weird, right? I kind of just want to see what comes to mind. More people who've tried to jump from one thing to another and did it work or did it not work? I think Jack Johnson was a surfer who became a guitarist. Probably wrong about that one. Hold on, let me get one more. Let me get one more. Me? That sounds too self-serving. He went from radio host to high school teacher. How are the students going to take him seriously? Hopefully the students are fans of radio. Maybe that's how my class sounds some days. All right, kids, let's talk about the Civil War. I'm going to open it up to some callers. Uh Uh-huh. All right, Danny in the front row, what's on your mind? Thanks for checking in. Appreciate that. OJ, I guess I could mention OJ. Now, why even bring OJ up? But yeah, OJ went from the football field to the analyst booth, to the commercials, Hertz, Rent-A-Car, to the movies. Naked Gun was good, wasn't it? Of all those movies that are, I don't even know the genre, where it's comedy, but it's just slapstick and all hijinks. Naked Gun was probably the best of all of them. You know those movies like Airplane or Hot Shots? Even Scary Movie. 
whatever kind of comedy that is, that's called, Naked Gun was probably the best, right? I think that's how we'll end this episode. Naked Gun was probably the best comedy of that genre. Hijinks comedy. All right, that'll do it for episode 17. All over the map, as always, you can leave a review for me on iTunes if you want. You can follow me on Twitter at jrosenberg957. Wishing you a happy week ahead. Episode 17 is now in the books. I'll talk to you soon.